the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Jets football is back this weekend, week 12 of the NFL season. Jets, Panthers, EA, before we dive in here. Are you feeling refreshed? I was going to ask how your bye week was going. My bye week is over. I'm ready for football. It's the Thanksgiving season. The old adage is teams start separating themselves after Thanksgiving. With that being said, the Jets are 4-6 and six right now. Greens, they think they let a couple games slip away over those first 10. Namely, you think about the Miami, the 14-point lead against the Dolphins. You think about a game against Tampa Bay when it was sitting right there for you and you couldn't manufacture anything offensively. With all that being said, you look at the AFC. I'm not talking playoffs. I'm just talking about positioning. The Jets are with a large group of teams, so it's going to be interesting to see the way they finish. Uh, very important two-game homestand here with Carolina coming in with a 7-3 and record. They have a lot of confidence. And Kansas City, a team that started off so hot out of the gates with a 5-0 and record, all of a sudden they've lost 4-5 and they're 6-4. and The final wild card in the AFC will be a team with an 8-8 eight and eight record. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a take what, from EA coming out of the box. What's your thoughts bye. on that? I, I think it's very feasible, and I, I think you're right. And it's funny because you look at – 2015, when the Jets finished 10 and 6, couldn't make it to the playoffs with a record that in most years would, and now you know 9 and 7 could get you in. So it, it you know every year in the NFL is different. It's funny how things play out, but this weekend is a big test, especially against a tremendous defense. The Panthers were the top defense for the majority of the season, and then this past week they got bumped by the Jaguars. So now the Panthers are number two. In the NFL I'm glad you defense. mentioned Jacksonville because I think this team has similar traits to Jacksonville. The big difference, though, is they have Cam Newton at quarterback. The Jags have Blake Bortles. The Jets largely did a very good job against the Jaguars' run game. Carolina has not been able to run it well throughout the season. I believe their leading rusher is Jonathan Stewart. Correct. But Cam Newton, in terms of yards per carry and touchdowns on the ground, of course, he's leading that group. Where Carolina can get you is Cam getting out of pressure, escaping pressure, and also he's got some new targets out of the backfield, uh, namely Christian McCaffrey. And Devin Funches is now his number one target on the outside. And we'll have to see, Greens, maybe they get a big boost from one of the finer tight ends of football, Greg Olson. We'll have to see if he's ready to play. Cam Newton averaging about six yards on the ground and he's second on the team 74 carries 436 yards but leads the team with four rushing touchdowns this defense is solid all the way Mm -hmm. through you know and we can talk about personnel with joe person here you like how i set that up (laughs) joe person who covers the panthers from the charlotte observer does a great job down there on the beat but uh This Carolina defense is suffocating. They are tenacious. They get after you. And the Jets' offense is going to have to come up with a good game plan from John Morton, who's done that throughout the season. And you got to be patient against this Carolina defense. The one number that stood out to me while looking at this game early on, 
Carolina doesn't turn people over. Yeah. And in fact, they're minus in a turnover differential category. For the Jets to win this week, I say it often, but I really mean this against Carolina. I think it's even more significant. The Jets have to win the turnover battle. This is a Panthers team that has not turned people over. I find that very interesting because they are an excellent defense. Time to hit the phones. All right, Greens, let's bring in Joe Person, who covers the Panthers at the Charlotte Observer. Joe, are you surprised the Panthers are 7-3? and three? Because looking at the stats, offensively, not a prolific unit, but this team is winning with its defense. Yeah, you know, I don't know that I'm real surprised. I, I picked the Panthers at the beginning of the season to be 10-6. and six. Uh, I thought that they would be good, but not great. And uh, through the first 10 games, I think that's kind of where they are. Their, their defense has certainly been playoff caliber and maybe even championship caliber with the way uh, they've played with, with the additions of uh, Julius Peppers. Captain Munderland's played pretty well at Nickelback. And then, of course, getting Luke Keekley back mostly healthy from that concussion. He did miss one game while in the protocol. But, as you said, though, the big thing with them is was the offense going to have enough to kind of match the defense? And uh, and could Cam bounce back from that just huge drop-off he had last year following his MVP during their Super Bowl season? And the answer mostly has been no. The offense hadn't been that great. They traded Kelvin Benjamin, which surprised a lot of people around the league. Actually, I thought it was a good move. Uh, huh. From a locker room standpoint, Benjamin was a guy who was a bit of a prima donna, kind of stayed overweight, and right before the bye, the Panthers had a very terrific offensive showing on Monday night against the Dolphins. They obviously want to try to build on that. All right, let me ask you this. Is this, though, the matchup against the Jets, a couple days after Thanksgiving, right before a trip to New Orleans to play the smoking hot Saints, is this the classic trap game? Feels like it, right? Uh <laughs> We actually didn't even wait until this week to start asking the Saints questions. I was asking them last week uh, before the bye, just because you could see the Panthers and Saints kind of being on this collision course in the NFC South. Saints won it, winning again in pretty amazing fashion. Unbelievable. Uh, in, in, in the Superdome. So, yeah, I, you know, the, the Panthers are going to say all the right things. Ron Rivera typically – has done a pretty good job keeping his team focused. Interestingly, Rivera's teams have not always been real great coming out of a bye week. Now, the last couple of years, they've kind of turned that around, uh, and they, they've certainly been better in that regard. But early in, in Rivera's tenure here in Charlotte, they were pretty miserable after uh, bye weeks or even after, like, the quote-unquote mini-bye weeks. So that's going to be something uh, – <laughs> You know, frankly, Rivera probably rather talk about that this week than to, to answer a question about the Saints. But uh, but interesting matchup, no doubt about it, uh, up in the Meadowlands this weekend. You recently touched on that. You thought Cam Newton was the midseason MVP of the Carolina Panthers. I know that he's completing 62% of his passes, which would be a career high. But what's changed for him this season compared to last season and then jumping off of that is what's changed in the passing game without Calvin Benjamin, largely in Devin Funches? Well, a couple things. Uh, one, it, it is a new 
kind of Panthers offense, as you touched on. They they went out and drafted Christian McCaffrey. They went out and drafted Curtis Samuel, who, who now is hurt and, and out for the season. But they, they wanted some versatile-type backs, running backs, slash wide receivers, slash slot guys that could give Cam underneath targets, getting the ball out of his hands more quickly than these kind of slow-developing seven-step drop plays where he was just getting his head caved in last year. You know, he took a lot of shots. He's taken a lot of hits over the course of his career. But it's been interesting to see the, the kind of the evolution of this offense because they've been doing those types of plays that I just mentioned right from the beginning of the season. One, it, 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 it's worth pointing out that they don't have many guys who can truly stretch the field. Curtis Samuel was one of them, and now he's done. So they've really been relying on the underneath routes, uh, the, the kind of intermediate-length routes to Devin Funches, who has really stepped up well uh, in the wake of the Benjamin trade. But then the second piece of this is early in this season, Cam was not running. He's coming off that shoulder surgery. I think Mike Shula was a little overly protective of him. Ron Rivera probably also a little too protective. And Cam, I think, let it be known inside the building that, hey, I think we're better. I think I'm better when I'm more involved in the offense. And, and he's right. And it certainly helps from a tactical standpoint where teams have that extra guy to defend for. You, you, you know, it kind of takes away the defense's man advantage when Cam's running the zone read. But it also helps from an enthusiasm, a momentum-type standpoint. You know, Cam running around and, and doing his first down signals and, and, and doing the dancing, all of that is very contagious. And, and his teammates on both sides of the ball kind of thrive on that. So I, I think getting Cam more back involved in the running game has been equally as important as, as the newfangled twist in the passing game that I mentioned. You mentioned Funchess, obviously 43 receptions, and the rookie, Christian McCaffrey, 57 catches leading the team, and a lot of those passes are dump-offs from Cam Newton. Has McCaffrey surprised you at all, or is this what you anticipated, a guy who carried Stanford's offense the last couple seasons? You know, if anything, I've been a little surprised that he hadn't broken off more big runs or, or, or catching catch runs. Hmm. And I was actually just having this conversation over the, uh, a couple days ago. Uh, there was someone I was kind of debating whether McCaffrey was a bust. And this, and, and this guy's point was just what I'm saying, that he hasn't had any of just these huge 60-yard breaking ankles types of runs. And and I, and, I, and I agreed with it because, of course, he has not done that. I said, but my counter was his seven-yard gains are putting the offense in second and three yep. instead of obvious passing downs where Cam is, is getting crushed in the pocket. They're keeping the defense fresh. This is an old defense. Thomas Davis, Julius Peppers, Captain Munnerlin, Mike, uh, Michael Adams. The safety, all in their in their thirties. Charles Johnson also. So McCaffrey has been pretty much what they expected, with the exception of maybe uh, hoping for a couple more uh, big plays. Joe Person joining us on the official Jets podcast, covering the Panthers for the Charlotte Observer. You can follow him on Twitter at Joseph Person. Joe, right before we dive into the defense here, one last thing is, what are the chances that Greg Olson makes his return this Sunday? 
he is really going to put some some stress on that on that surgically repaired uh, foot that he broke in week two against Buffalo. Uh, if it responds well, then he intends to, to you know practice the rest of the week and play Sunday at Meadowlands. Uh, that is not a minor thing for this offense. As you know, this is a guy who became the first tight end in NFL history to post three consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons. Uh, they've played okay at that position without him, Ed Dixon who incidentally is the only guy on this team with a Super Bowl ring, having won it with Ravens a few years ago. He's done okay. But what's hurt them is with Dixon having to get into the primary tight end receiving role, Hasn't he's been able really to block. their best blocking yeah. tight end. And that's been a trickle-down effect. And uh, so certainly from the Panthers' standpoint, they'd like to get Greg Olson back. And they also like to get their Pro Bowl center, Ryan Khalil, back. He's missed pretty much all but a game and a half this season with a uh, lingering uh, serious neck issue. All right, Joe, the water must be good down there because Julius Peppers is 55 years old and he's got seven and a half sacks. You mentioned this over 30 crew defensively. I think Thomas Davis has been playing at a Pro Bowl level for like 25 seasons. Give me a couple X factors on that defense. Why has it worked so well? Yeah, that's a good question. And a few guys that come to mind for me, second year cornerback, James Bradbury, and then third-year linebacker Shaq Thompson. The young guys drafted very highly. Uh, Bradbury, a second-round pick after the Panthers parted ways with Josh Norman last offseason. Thompson was a first-round draft pick in 2015. Really has not been on the field a whole lot his first couple seasons because he plays (laughs) at their deepest position, where the guys you mentioned, Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis, but they have found a way to get Thompson on the field, and, he's, and, and they're doing that by putting him out in uh, kind of at what they call their big nickel position. Hmm. That's, uh, you know, to, to see a, a pretty sizable linebacker out in space covering slot re- receivers. And, some, you know, sometimes he's gotten beaten. Uh, but it makes it difficult for opposing offenses because, you know, they're they're not sure if he's in the game exactly what the Panthers are running. He might be inside. He might be out. But he's been very good. And then James Bradbury, he's a guy that doesn't get much press. He doesn't have a lot of interceptions. Doesn't have any interceptions. But he really has done a pretty good job taking away his half of the field. He's really took his lumps as a rookie. But he's come back this year, played very well in a secondary that really – it's the only kind of Achilles heel if there is one on this defense. Jumping off the Achilles heel point is, what do you think are some favorable matchups this weekend for the Jets, and how do you expect them to attack this Panthers defense that's playing at an extremely high level right now? Where they'll probably try to go after is the cornerback position opposite Bradbury. That has been kind of a revolving door this year. It's been mostly a rotation between Daryl Worley like Bradbury came in as a third-round pick after the Norman uh, decision. And then they traded with Buffalo uh, right before the season started, and they got got this uh, former Southern Cal corner, Kevon Seymour. Mm-hmm. Neither of those guys have been particularly good. You know, they have not given up huge plays. That's probably the only saving grace. But they have consistently been picked on. And, and given up quite a bit of underneath and intermediate-type yardage. 
that to me, if you're the Jets, is where you want to attack the Panthers. Last one, Joe, for me is uh, you tweeted about uh, Cam Newton saying this season is starting to have a special feel. As a person who isn't in that locker room every day, who's covered them since training camp, would you agree with that assessment, or would you say a little bit too early? Let's see how the next couple games go. Yeah, you know, the thing is different, and he was being asked, I think, in that context of that quote was he was being asked about 2015. Look, there ain't many seasons they're going to feel like that when you, when you start out 14-0, and finish 15-1, and roll to the Super Bowl. Obviously didn't get it done in Super Bowl 50 against the Broncos, but it's, it's kind of like what I said you know, right, right at the start here. This is a very good defense. Other than that cornerback position, uh, you know, I'd, you'd pretty much take your chances with this defense against anyone you're going to see yeah. on the NFC side of the playoffs. And those are some stout offense. Look, I mean, I, I'm not naive. Going down to New Orleans for this team in two weeks is going to be a test. But about a month ago or less, they go to Chicago, didn't score an offensive touchdown. And worse, they gave the Bears two defensive touchdowns. So is that the offense that we're going to see over the next six weeks? Or is it the one that we've seen the last couple of weeks that's been dynamic, that's been uh, diverse, and, it, and, you know, it's been a lot of fun to watch. So that, to me, will kind of tell the tale. At Joseph Person, he covers the Panthers at the Charlotte Observer. Joe, tremendous job. We'll see you up here at MetLife Stadium this weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. Awesome. Same to you, and appreciate you having me on. EA, something that I thought that was extremely interesting was the fact that he thought Calvin Benjamin was an addition by subtraction. That's what Joe Person of the Charlotte Observer wrote recently. And in turn, Devin Funches has really taken on that wide receiver one role. And Carolina offense has kind of took off, even without someone like Greg Olson. I, I think the key matchup for the Jets defensively this week, obviously Cam, yes. But then it goes to McCaffrey. You have to contain Christian McCaffrey this week. Christian McCaffrey, you mentioned it, 57 receptions, 14 more than Devin Funches, who's wide receiver one for the Carolina Panthers. But McCaffrey only has 433 yards through the air, yeah, but three what, touchdowns. But what Joe was saying is the, the most important part of that is that people are like, well, he's not breaking those long ones like he was in the, back, mm -hmm. in the Pac-12 at Stanford. But what he's doing is is getting the Carolina offense into favorable down and distance situations. The other thing that stood out to me that I did not know is the Panthers traditionally over the years under Ron Rivera have struggled coming out of the bye. I'm curious how the Jets are going to attack Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, Cam Newton has to be the focal point, but with McCaffrey, is it Darren Lee that's a matchup? Is it Demario Davis? Or is it someone like Jamal Adams where he comes down in the box more, and he's mainly a Christian McCaffrey spy. Well, Bart Scott and I looked at it in the film room this week, and that's going to be on Jets Flight Plan CBS 11.30 Sunday morning for those in the tri-state. We also put that segment up on NewYorkJets.com. With Newton, you got to watch out for the read option, and you have to be disciplined as far as staying in your gaps. Where's that end coming? Uh, how about the defensive back? What angles are you taking? Because he's going to get in the gun, and at times he's going to run the read option. And the thing for this matchup is what can the Jets' offense do against the NFL's number one defense? Because the Carolina knows their scheme. 
knows the way they're going to play. They have tremendous intelligence on that side of the football. The Jets really struggled offensively against Tampa the last time we saw them because they were not winning on first and second down. They were getting in third and long situations. You can't do that against the Panthers. You have to get some favorable plays early on drives. Otherwise, um, you're going to be playing a field position game, and that's right up Carolina's alley. And Joe mentioned that maybe a favorable matchup for the Jets is the cornerback opposite Bradbury. Yeah. And I'm just curious, you know, are the Jets going to try to line whoever lines up across from Bradbury? Is it Robbie Anderson? Is he going to? Are you going to try to beat that guy deep? Is it Jermaine Curse and just try to work the intermediate routes? Well, Rob, in a great point about Robbie goes into this game four for four, four for four, four uh, last four games, four touchdowns. And again, guys see him on film, and I still think they're surprised about his flat-out speed, where Robbie has really developed this year is that I think he's getting better off the line. And the thing that's underrated about him is his short area quickness. He's not just a burner. Some guys can just run. He's really good off the line using his feet. Talking about the Jets' offense, I think it's time we check in with Chad Pennington post-bye week. All right, Greens, let's go down to Kentucky and bring in our quarterback, Chad Pennington. Chad, what do you think about the Jets' 4-6 and six record? Of course, they'll be back at MetLife Stadium to play the Carolina Panthers when action resumes. Well, uh, I would be lying to you, Eric, if I said that I wasn't disappointed. Uh, this team still has a chance to go out and fight and compete and, and win football games, but uh, certainly a 4-6, and six, it puts a damper on things. What happened to McCown in the offense against Tampa, and how do you stop that from becoming a trend? Because the next opponent the Jets will face is a Carolina Panthers defense who is suffocating at times. Uh, Carolina's defense is impressive. There's no doubt about it, and it's not that they do it with complicated schemes or anything like that. They do it with effort and being in the right place and being smart football players, and they understand their scheme, and they just out-execute their opponent. Uh, with that being said, the Jets did themselves no favors with self-inflicted wounds, uh, namely penalties. When I look at the scheme, the one thing that I would have liked to have seen more of uh, based upon how Tampa Bay was playing, I felt like Tampa Bay was putting uh, a lot of defenders up around the line of scrimmage to say that the Jets, uh, you're not going to run the ball on first and second down. With that being said, that lends itself uh, to being able to pass the ball on first and second down, and I felt like I would like to have seen more of that on first and second down to kind of uh, give yourself a little bit of breathing room instead of just trying to run against eight and nine half fronts on first down. How do the Jets go about maintaining consistency on offense? Because after the game, Josh McCown said that that's going to be the main point of the bye week moving forward into Carolina week is that this offense and defense have both shown that they can hang with the best of the NFL. It's just a question of being consistent. Well, first of all, consistency starts with focus and concentration and being technically sound. And so you can't have offside penalties and false starts and holding penalties and illegal formations and illegal motions and things like that that are just creates a negative aura, which is not good. Secondly, it has to be more consistent on first and second down. Uh, and mixing the run and the pass and getting positive yards, uh, whether it be even if it's just two to three yard gains on first and second down, you put those two together, you're in a third and four situation. You're not in a third and eight situation, third and ten situation. 
that normally lends itself to more offensive uh, productivity as well. What does Todd Bowles have to do with this club when they get back to Florham Park and they start the week? It's a six-game season right now. Well, I think the approach doesn't necessarily change. I think um, the preparation uh, doesn't change. I think it's a mindset. It's a mindset of uh, now at four and six, I don't think it's about the game of football as it is much about just you as a man hmm. and, and what you believe in and what you stand for and what you want your individual performance to look like. Um and then how that will affect the team's performance. That's what it comes down to when you get into this type of situation where you're four and six, you've got six games left. Uh, you know, it could go, it could be anywhere between four and 12 uh, all the way to 10 and six, and so, or somewhere in between. So um, you're going to be tested as a man and as a professional to continue to fight and grind and play as hard as you can, play as smart as you can, and try to find ways to. Uh, you know, get a victory. Uh, that's that's really the biggest challenge. Do you make anything about this team's road performance to date? Only one victory away from home on the year of the course that was in Cleveland. They had a late lead in Miami. Unfortunately, weren't able to hang on there. And then we just saw the latest effort in Tampa. It seems uh, sometimes they're lacking a little bit of juice or trying to find themselves on the road. Yeah, other than the Miami game, I think the starts to these road games have not been very good. Um, and so getting off to fast starts on the road. And on the road, you, you cannot, you don't have the ability to feed off of your crowd and the energy and the, the momentum from your crowd. And so you have to create that yourself. And so that, that to me, seems to be something that needs to be a priority on the road is, is really getting off to a fast start and creating that momentum, that energy, that excitement, that enthusiasm on the road for yourself so that you can play well. Is that a sign of a young team, you think, or you don't buy that? Well, uh, it certainly can be uh, a sign of a young team. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know how much of this, quote, young team stuff we can continue to talk about. You look at the average age uh in the NFL now, as far as teams are concerned, it's around 25 years old. Right. So we're no longer talking about veteran teams. Now, uh, you know, when I was a rookie, half our team was over 30. And so now you can count on one hand how many 30-year-olds you have on each team. So um, there's still a learning curve there. I, I do believe that. But at the same time, you could take a look at you know a team like the Los Angeles Rams with a brand-new coach who's 10 years younger than me. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> and a second-year quarterback, and they're sitting there at 7-2. and two. So uh, it's still about approach and, and your work ethic and just your mindset. After 10 weeks of football now, Chad, when you look back on the Jets' offense in particular, you know, expectations versus right now, what do you think about this unit and what do you think about this unit moving forward for this last six games? Well, I think there's a lot of positive things to, to grab onto. Uh, up until the Tampa Bay game, I thought uh, there was some exciting football being played. There were plays being made, um, and there was a really good rhythm and tempo to the offense. You know, that can be gotten back, uh, and, and being able to use these last six games to do that, that can be recovered. But I do like some of the things that are happening offensively. Uh, I like how we're able to see uh, the playmaking ability 
of Jenkins, the playmaking ability of Robbie Anderson, what Curse brings to the table, um, what the running backs do. You know, we've been able to see some really good things, and and for the most part, you've been able to do that because the quarterback's playing well. Uh, without a quarterback playing well, you wouldn't be able to see those things. And so, um, to me, the cup is half full. It's not half empty. There's some really good things to build on, and what you really want to see these last six games is the Jets take another step offensively and really start putting some good games together where they're scoring 24, 27 points, and and they're really getting you know putting their their team in a good position to win offensively, uh, because defensively they've done a relatively good job. How difficult will this two-game homestand be for the Jets? I mean, after these two games against the Carolina Panthers and Kansas City Chiefs, they just have one more game remaining at MetLife Stadium. They'll have three road dates out of the last four contests to close the season. Got to go to Denver, got to go to New Orleans, and then you finish up the season New Year's Eve in New England. But let's focus on Carolina, then Kansas City. When I look at these teams, I think about balanced football clubs who play hard, who are very physical. Uh, Carolina isn't a prolific offense. But they've shown at times, a.k.a. against the Miami Dolphins, that they can put points up on the board. Newton is a dual threat. They got Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. Devin Funches is filling that number one wideout role. And then defensively, you know it better than me. You look at Luke Kuechly and Thomas Davis and Julius Peppers is 75 years old. And he's still getting the job done. The secondary is very aggressive. I just look at it and say, wow, this was going to be a Big test for the Jets after the bye. Oh, it's huge. It's a huge test. And the Carolina game, I think that's a winnable game for the Jets. I think uh, the formula of playing tough defense, not not allowing Carolina defense to dictate the tempo of the game uh, with turnovers and things like that, I think they have a shot. I, I don't look at Carolina's offense and, and just get really scared. Right. Um, I know they have some big play capability but not to the extent of, of other teams in this league. And this is a winnable game. I think it would be more of a 17-14 type, uh, try to you know, pull it out like that and make it ugly. It's kind of like the old Jets versus Dolphins games uh, in the 2000s where the Dolphins had such a good defense. But as Jet teams, we knew that as long as offensively we didn't turn the ball over and we got to the fourth quarter, we would find a – a way to win, and that's why we were able to win seven out of eight during that stretch. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to some post-Thanksgiving football. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. What do you have planned, Chad? Well, we've got some basketball games here this week. Going to enjoy. Uh, next week, we've got family coming in town from West Virginia and just laying low just a little bit. So we're trying to recuperate from middle school football season and and get ready for the holidays. Well, you guys stay warm in Kentucky, buddy, and we'll touch base next week. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, Greens. What stood out to me there is Chad said the Jets are going to be tested as far as what kind of individual you are. What are you going to be playing for down the stretch here the final six games? With that being said, listen, to a man, if you're a player in that locker room, your goal is to make the playoffs. And you mentioned in our first segment, Greens, Baltimore's sitting there in sixth seed. There's a ton of football left to be played, but they're in the number six seed right now with a 5-5 five and five record. The Jets aren't too far away from that. Yeah, these two weeks are going to be pretty crucial for the green and white, especially coming out of the bye week here. And what better way to, 
you know, use this weekend as a barometer as how good your offense is and what changes that you wanted to make in the bye week and now see and implement something for the final stretch here. Last week, Josh McCown said that the thing that he wants to improve for the final stretch run here is consistency because he said both units have played with the top units in the National Football League at times, but he wants to develop some form of consistency. And this week, I mean, the the offense will have an, a very difficult test in the Panthers' defense, and we've touched on it here and there. And maybe the maybe the Jets try to establish a ground game, something they couldn't get going in Florida against the Bucks. Maybe they get boosted with the return of Matt Forte. Obviously, we'll have to see his health as the week moves forward, along with Mo Wilkerson, Morris Claiborne. But the bye week came at an opportune time for the Jets that were getting a little banged up. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Mo Wilkerson. He's going to be in the lineup. You know he's going to be in the lineup, Greens. You don't even have to mention him. He's the guy who said that the rest... Only rest he needed was a bye week. Well, he got the bye week, so and he's also been coming on. Also, Leonard Williams, I know he doesn't have the sack totals that he wants right now, but Randy Lang published an article on NewYorkJets.com this week saying he's third in the National Football League in terms of quarterback hits. I think he's coming on, so both of those guys are going to be key this week because, listen, you got to win in the trenches against this Carolina team because they're tough, they're gritty, they're nasty, and you got to make it a long day for them. I think defensively, you could have a lot of success against this team. Um, you know, I think about the last time we saw this defense at MetLife, Stadium, at MetLife Stadium, and that was against the Buffalo Bills. And they faced an elusive quarterback, a totally different uh, player than Cam Newton, no doubt about it. But a team that had an explosive player in the backfield and Shady McCoy, they shut down Shady, and then they got after the quarterback. So let's see if they can have a similar performance against Carolina, who had a prolific effort on a primetime game against the Miami Dolphins. This is a totally different situation, as we discussed with Joe Person, because when I look at the schedule right now, and you're a Carolina Panther fan, you're saying, oh, Jets, we got this one, because you're already targeting that game against the New Orleans Saints and saying that's for NFC South supremacy. I think the Jets can make a statement early by saying, hey, uh-uh, you're going to be in for a dogfight. And that's all we got on the official Jets podcast game preview. Once again, Jets Panthers this Sunday, MetLife Stadium, 1 o'clock for the first game following the bye week to kick off the stretch run of the 2017 NFL season. That's all we got this week. For Eric Allen, I'm Ethan Greenberg.